0: Our Bible reading today comes from the book of Mark, Mark 11, and we start at verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teachings. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Ton. And good morning, everyone. How's that? Can you all hear me? Is that enough? Great. Thank you. Um, I, I'm, strictly speaking, not supposed to be here. because I do have a bit of a cough. I'm totally fine. Ryan told me a few weeks ago not to come to church at all if I don't feel well. But I'm here, so I do just ask for your grace if I, if I try and cough through the nose and that. Forgive me. I'm naughty. I'm here and I shouldn't be. <laughs> but I couldn't stay away. My name's Etienne and I'm going to, yeah, as Mike said, just take you through another... 15 minutes or so just reflecting on uh, what we're celebrating today. You go on a journey, whether it's a car drive, whether it's a walk or a hike, you know, every now and again you stop, don't you, to have a break and you have a bit of a look. You crack out the bickies, you make the cup of tea and there's an element in that moment of stopping where we go, we look back from where we've come and we, and we look forward where we still need to go. I wonder if today is a bit bit like that, for this community, this church. I wonder if we're stopping and we're sort of saying, let's look back over a few years, the recent last two, three, four. But very importantly, I think we're also stopping and looking forward because the two are very much connected, inescapably so. And looking back can I suggest two words for me that come to mind? There might be more, but I'll give two and think if they ring true for you in your own mind if you've been part of this journey over the last three to five years. Two words if we look back from where we've come. Gratefulness and amazement, I think, are the two words for me. Grateful to God, grateful to a number of people who we have mentioned today. Um and I think slightly amazed. I think what was pulled off here, what was done here, what happened here is amazing. I stepped in here three years ago as a new person, as a new a new part of this leadership team, a new member here, and, and it was a bit like head scratching to go, oh, I don't know how these how these people operate, but this is an ambitious thing. And um You know, I never doubted you, ever. But, you know, it was a fair chunk to bite off and to do. And and here we are, three, four years later, and it is done. It is done. It was done well. And and we're together, and we love each other. And these sorts of projects has the capacity to destroy a church or to build it and make it. And it has truly, truly drawn and blessed us. Therefore, I'm amazed. I'm grateful, and I think many of you are too. It's looking back. You look forward then as well. Two words, I think, for me that summarise my feelings about looking forward. Again, it's just me, there might be more. Number one, hopefulness. Man, there are a lot of stuff that we could be and should be rightfully excited about. Hope, hopefulness, very hopeful for what the future entails. And within that, hope, the second word for me, would be a certain sense of heaviness. Hopefulness and, and, and heaviness, dare I even say a, a, a heavy hopefulness <laughs> or, or a hopeful heaviness is sort of what I, what I feel, what I think about as I look forward, as I look ahead to the journey of what lies ahead of us right? And so let me just unpack that for us a little bit as we look forward, mainly for what I want to think about. Please step with me into a place in the Bible that we read about another church building, I guess I could say. It wasn't really a church, but it certainly was a grand building. It had a huge opening that was celebrated at its launch. It's, it's a place called called the temple in the older part of the Bible. And a thousand years later, after its launch, we read that this great person whom Christians worship, uh, called Jesus, comes along. And that's, that's the story that we, that we heard just before. Jesus comes along, a thousand years later, he, he, he walks To the city Jerusalem where this great building is and on the way there's this odd story very odd story Jesus sees a a fig tree and he goes over to it to look for any figs although it says pretty clearly in the little passage it wasn't the season for figs no one would have looked for a fig on that fig tree there were no figs in fact I think there wouldn't have been figs there for another six to eight weeks to the best of our knowledge (laughs) Was a, was an odd thing to do, right? But he goes over. He looks at this fig tree to find figs. He does not find any figs tree figs on that fig tree. And then he says something pretty un-Jesus-like. I don't know. I don't know what your knowledge of Jesus is if you're new to church or new to God or faith and stuff. But um, often people think of Jesus, I think, as the friendly, gentle wouldn't hurt a fly kind of a guy. And he says this to this big tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Curses it, condemns it to death, basically, is what, what he does. Strange thing, odd thing. We don't know why Jesus would do this, but he does, and then he moves on, goes into Jerusalem. He gets to this temple And then he does something even more un-Jesus-like. In this temple building, he encounters a whole heap of stuff that makes him super, super, super angry. And let me just put it into perspective for you what exactly happened in that temple place. This is going 2,000 years ago now, okay? Every year, around about Easter time, so our best calculation is about 2.5 million people makes their way, used to make their way, I don't know what it is nowadays, but it would have been in that day, 2.5 million to that building called the temple. They go there because at that time, sacrifices are made. This is going Old, Old Testament, Old Time, a bit different, but a very particular sacrifice would be the sacrifice of a lamb. For the forgiveness of sins, so that person and God can be connected, that that the the bridge that exists between God and people could be could be atoned for, could be forgiven. Right? It's a little bit gory. It's a little bit strange to our ears, but this is how it worked. Roughly, about 225,000 lambs would have been sacrificed at the temple at that time. Can you imagine that? 225,000. And then some other animals as well. Every single one of these lambs had to be a certain type of lamb. It had to be bought, most of them, at that temple building. Every male worshipper who used to come for this thing, would have had to pay in the day, 10 shekels was the currency, to enter. had to be paid in a certain currency. Um, The Roman currency wouldn't do, so money had to be exchanged. And then a charge was made at an exchange rate to buy the right coinage to pay your fee to be able to go in here. And then once you're in, you're in this hullabalooza place in roughly speaking about this area of this building, where you'd find these thousands of animals, people carrying stuff, trading booths where the exchanges are all taking place. And and this is sort of the scene, this is the thing that Jesus has encountered. And you are guessing right when you're saying, this was huge, huge business for Jerusalem and the religious people. You're talking the value of Christmas in our society and the benefit of it for our economy for them. That's what Jesus walks into. <laughs> and he is ticked off. I wanted to, I wonder what it would be like if I was to simulate something like this. I, the thought crossed my mind: to set up a table here, you know, with coins on it and just flip it. I decided not to do it because I actually think it's a bit too disturbing. A bit too, there are kids here. You know, it's <laughs> what he did. He was, he was beside himself with, with anger. And, and this, is a, this is a sinless guy. This is God with us, right? There's no single action that he took that was wrong. There's no regret about this. He had to ask no apology for this. This is a, this is a, a type of anger, a type of indignation at what is wrong that God asked his people to to step into and to, to display and to model. Jesus is angry. Why? Here's where we get to the guts of it. I think, well, I'm certain, he was angry because the temple people who ran all that, failed at the very thing for what it was built for. Or they failed the very people for whom it was built for. You know who it was? It was for the new guy, the new person, the person who was not part of the inside. It was for those who were not there, that the place in which all of this trading and hullabaloo takes place in the temple, it's it's, it's very important actually, um, is exactly here in these outer courts. This is where all the animals and all the money changing and all that sort of stuff happens. It's a a special place that God said needs to exist in my building. It's called the outer courts or the courts of the Gentiles. It is the place where those who lived around the temple in the immediate area and throughout the entire world in fact anyone who knew that their life was broken, anyone who lacked purpose, anyone who lacked meaning, anyone who lacked hope, anyone who was desperate, anyone who said, you know what, I believe there's something better to life than what I know. There must be a meaning, a hope, a purpose, a help for me in my struggle, in my afflictions, in my suffering, in my brokenness. There must be something better. And you know where they should have gone? They should have gone to that place where they would be met with people who would help them. People who would connect the love of God with those who are broken, hurt, lonely. People who would bring these people from all over the world, all places, bring them into the warmth, the care, the love of God. This is what this Places for, and, and, and what has it become? It's become a business. <laughs> and Jesus is rightly outraged. We see that then in his words, right? That he said, Whoa, can I go back a slide, Ryan? As he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer For all nations, all nations, all people, particularly those who are not part of the church. I've built a little vegetable garden in my yard over the last few weeks. There it is. It doesn't quite look as grand as the temple. But I'll tell you an interesting story about my little vegetable garden. This is where it's up to. And I kind of built it and I thought to myself the other day, sitting down, looking at it, with my feet up, having a beer, and I thought, this is a magnificent vegetable garden. Isn't it just? Look how straight those lines are. Look, look, just how that, that angle I calculated to perfection. I think I moved about 15 barrows of dirt. I've designed it ingeniously. I didn't actually have to spend a lot of money on it either. It was all, you know, recycled stuff. Yeah, we can tell. But, you know, I, 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 I marveled at my efforts about what I did with my feet up. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I was somewhat surprised actually when this occurred to me. I don't actually know if I want to put plants in there. Because plants are hard work. You've got to water them. You've got to protect them. You've got to feed them. You've got to keep the bugs off them. You've got to keep the dog out of it. You, you really have to love the plants if you're going to put plants in there. And so I still haven't put plants in there. and I, I'm not sure if I'm going to, I'll be honest with you. You know, to the Christians in the building... To the people of Pathway, particularly to our leaders, to myself included, can I put it to you today that we are merely celebrating the completion of a garden bed and can I ask us, can we not be like me? Can, can, can this place not be and become as we look forward like the temple became? But we will not be okay to spend How much have we spent on this building? Anyone? Tell me, all up. Do we know the money people? 300,000, 200,000? What was the total bill? 450,000. Can we not be okay to spend 450,000 at a building but but balk and be afraid to spend more than 450,000 on the plants that need to go into the building and water it and care for it and let the building do what it needs to do? Can we be okay to spend more than 4,000 hours, but 40,000 hours in the next three, four, I don't know, five years to do the fundamental thing for which we have built this building? To bring the love of God, the care of God, particularly to those who lack justice, for whom life is treated harshly. Right? (laughs) That's my question. And that is, I guess for me, speaking purely to myself, where somewhat of the happiness and the sobering realisation of the responsibility that we now have comes from. You know, the story ends in the Bible with with this. Um, Following morning, they go out of Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples. Then they get back and they saw this fig tree and it was withered from the roots. Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, says, Look! Look! Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed as with it. <laughs> Jesus didn't curse that fig tree because he was capriciously angry. Didn't chuck a tantrum. He taught a lesson. What good is a fruitless fig tree? What good is a vegetable garden with no vegetable plants? What good is a church that works for the people in it but not those on the out? Side. And let me finish. You may say to me, Come on, dude. <laughs> we the long face. We're, we're partying. We're celebrating. Why the harsh doom and gloom message? Let me finish then with this I'm confident. I'm confident about our future. Very confident. I'm confident for two reasons because I know who we are, I know the heart of this church and the heart of these people. I do. I think while we may not be sure exactly how, while we may not be sure exactly what it looks like, what sort of plants and how to water, and, and there are a lot of things we need to think through and wrestle out, Mike touched on them, but I think we want to. I think we want to grow plants. <laughs> I think that's our business, and that's what we would love to do. I know that, and it gives me a sense of great confidence that I look forward at our journey, what's ahead. More importantly, though, I know know the God whose we are. Not just who we are, but but, but whose we are. I've recently read through one of the parts of the Bible called Thessalonians, and and it's a guy who writes to a church similar to us, similar mission and and those sorts of things. and, And, you know, he gives them all these points of things they should do. But all along the line, he says to them, continue in what you are doing. You already are doing it. Continue in what you are doing. I feel in a big way we're a similar church. Continue to do what you're doing. And then he wraps up this letter to the Thessalonians and he says this to them. And that's what I'm going to say to you as we finish. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Sanctify means change you. Make you become who you need to become to be who God wants you to be. Make us to become who we need to become to be who we need to be for Devonport, for La Trobe, for the Northwest Coast, for the whole world. May God continue to change us through and through, right the whole way. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the kicker. Why can we be confident? The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. <laughs> he will put plants here and he will produce fruit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a phenomenal garden bed that we get to celebrate today. Thank you for its Pleasure and thank you that this journey was all along always more than building. More than building a building, but building a living building. Thank you that already the living building is, is bigger than it was when the physical building started. Thank you that already the living building exceeds the space the physical building offers. Today may I pray that we would simply continue. Continue to put planting, continue to water, continue to grow, continue to pray for growth, continue to protect. Lord, I pray that because we are here, our whole community, our region, will be a better place. May we truly extend the love of God and the care of God to those around us, particularly those who hurt, those who are broken. Father, I pray that you would So change us that we are worthy for you to bring them here, knowing how they will be loved. Will you continue to change us through and through? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.